Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. So we are in this series exploring the concept of Sabbath and this practice. And and so far what we've covered is in the first couple of weeks, we've seen how this practice is one of freedom. It's for free people. It's when, when God gave it to the Israelites. He said, you were slaves in Egypt and then I set you free and now you can practice Sabbath. And so it is, it's for free people. And that's, that's part of like what's inherent into the practice. And so the second thing is that it's good because it's for free people and God is giving it to us as a gift. It's for our good. And we, and we looked at how Jesus is the one who, who gives us this gift. He's the Lord of the Sabbath and he wants to speak life into us through the practice. And so that's what we've come through so far, just these couple of weeks. Well, I'm curious, if you've been here for both weeks and and kind of tracking with this, I'm curious how you're feeling about the series. Like, is this one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, all this sounds really good. Like, I can get there. I'm tracking with you. But is there that but? Is there this like, okay, like, yeah, that all sounds really good, but you don't really know what life is like for us right now. Like, it's crazy, and we have all these things going on. Like, it's just really hard to practice Sabbath. Is there, is there that, that but element where, where we're just, we're not able to, like, kind of come through on it? And, and you, maybe even you're here, and you're like, Sabbath is just a really great idea, but it's idealistic. Like, let's get real here. Like, it's super hard to do this. Maybe you're kind of feeling that tension. Maybe you've given it a try and it just hasn't quite worked out. Or maybe it's gone well a couple of times, but you just know, like coming down the road, it's just, it's not going to work out. Like Sabbath, taking a day off, really? Why is that? Like, why do we have this but? Like this ideal realm, sure, it sounds great there, but realistically, like it just, it just doesn't quite get there. Why is that true? What is it about this that just makes it hard for us to actually step into it, actually realize it? I want to suspend, or I suspect that it's this. We don't really believe Sabbath will work out for us. We don't really, when it comes down to it, really believe that Sabbath is going to work out for us. Like, it sounds great in idea, like, man, that's cool, cool concept, and maybe once in a while it can happen, but like, really, when push comes to shove, it's just not going to work out. Like, it's just one of those things that just can't realistically happen. Are you resonating with that? Like, does this feel like, hmm, yeah, there might be some truth to this? Like, when, when we really look at it, it's like, I just don't know that Sabbath is, is really going to be a good thing. I don't really believe it's going to work out. I, I shared with you the, the first week we started this series that kind of the month of June was a little bit surprising for me and that I just had a lot of things pop up. And, and I do try to practice Sabbath. It's, it's a commitment for me. But Sabbath just seemed to evaporate. Like I just had all these things that kind of intruded and, and it got really busy and I just I wasn't keeping my Sabbath day. Does it feel like that, where things are just intruding, like, I can't guarantee that I'm able to get there, like, 
there's just things that crop up or things that I just, I've got to get done. Like there just doesn't seem to be enough time in the week. I don't really think Sabbath's going to come through for us. Today, we're going to look at a text that speaks counter to this. That's really going to show us like what's going on here is not quite what we think. Like Sabbath doesn't have to live in the realm of idealism, but it's something realistic that does a good work. God's going to show us like, no, this is, this is not true. And he's going to show us why. So I encourage you, if you would, grab your Bibles, turn into Exodus chapter 16. So Exodus, second book of the Bible. We're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 16. And we just actually did a series in Exodus not that long ago, and we looked at this text. Well, we're going to look at it fresh through the lens of Sabbath. And I hope that you're going to see that there is more to Sabbath than meets the eye. And it's going to be a helpful practice for us to commit to. So Exodus chapter 16 We're looking at different chunks along the way through this story. So if you don't have a Bible, the words will be up on the screen. All right, Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came down to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert... The whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you, you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. So pause there. Just for a little context, where, where are we? What we've had in the last two chapters before we get to Exodus 16 is the miracle of the Red Sea. Like they have been rescued in a dramatic way. God has brought them through. Like literally there's walls of water are surrounding them. They're walking on dry land. They come through. They're like, wow. And they, there's this song that Miriam sings and, and it's a praise to God. Like that's what's just happened. And then we get to this. They're grumbling. Uh, If we would have just stayed in Egypt, we would have had all this food to eat. Like, we should have just died there. Like, literally, God has done this incredible, miraculous thing, and now they're grumbling. Like, oh, you just kind of feel that, like, sinking thing of, like, oh, this is what's, what's taking place. Like, this is the story that's playing out. They're grumbling. And what are they grumbling about? They're in the desert. They've walked through this, this water event, and, and now they're realizing, like, okay, we've got a ways to go, and we don't have any food. Like, what are we going to do? We don't have any food. We don't have any water. Like, what? Why did God bring us out here with none of that? Like, we had all this food in Egypt. Now what? They have a legitimate need. But here they are. They're grumbling against Moses and Aaron. It's like, what are we going to do? Well, let's see how God responds in this moment. So verse four, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. Now I want to pause on that real quick. So like when you hear that, 
You're probably thinking, I'm assuming like I do, like it's tests, like shoot, it's the history test that I didn't study for. I'm walking into class and I'm not ready and it's like, oh no, like this test, like is that kind of what you think of, right? This, this picture of a test. What God is saying here is, yes, I'm going to test them, but it's not quite this pass-fail thing like you better, better not fail or else, but rather it's opportunity. It's like, yes, I'm going to test you, but I've already given you the answer. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and collect this bread that I'm going to send to you. And I want you to see the opportunity that it is. We're going to explore this in just a little bit more detail in a moment. But don't hear the word test as like, oh, no, you better, you better not fail or else. See this as opportunity God is creating for them to step into what he has for them. So that's what's taking place here. Now, let's keep reading one more verse. Verse 5. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So, again, what God's doing here is he's saying, like, okay, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven. You're going to be able to collect the food that you need, and I'm going to provide for you. And so what we're going to see is that God, he's, he wants to meet their need. And so how the people are, are going to respond is really important. And so let's keep reading down now in verse 13. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it is. This, this is like they're looking at it like, we don't know what this is. This is the word manna. Literally in Hebrew, the word manna means what is it? And so when we, we think about manna, it's like that's what they're calling this thing. They're like, we don't know what this thing is. We'll just call it what is it? Like that's what's happening here. Manna. So what is it? They just see it appear on the ground. So that's what it is. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. Verse 17. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they had measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. So, so picture this. God's saying, like, I'm going to bring down bread from heaven. They're kind of like, what? I mean, now, we're, we're very familiar with this, right? Like, you've heard this story. You know, all, you know what this manna thing's all about. Well, pause on that just a second. Step back and imagine what God is saying. Like, I'm going to rain down. Like, literally, like there's rain. It's going to fall. It's going to come down. And there's going to be bread on the ground. What? Like, I mean, we're so used to this story, but like, this is what God is doing. He's sending food from the sky. And so you notice, like, there's dew, there's wetness on the ground. And as it's starting to dry up, there's these flakes that are left behind. And and they, they collect them, and it's like, it's food. Like, it's bread. It's something that we can eat. Like, it's happening each and every day. They wake up, and there's this food. And it says that they had everything that they needed. Each person, whether they gathered a lot or a little, they, they had what they needed for that day. What the story is helping us to see 
is this idea, God provides. God provides. They had a need. They cry out about it, maybe in not quite the right way, but they cry out. And, and what does God do? He meets the need. He's providing for them what they need. God is coming through. They, they walk into the desert without food to eat, and he shows up for them. Now, notice, too, like we're talking about the manna, but you maybe caught this very briefly in verse 13. It said that there was quail in the evening. So not as, God, not as just God you know, providing bread in the morning, like he's providing them meat in the evening. You know, we're not going to go all carbohydrates here. Like we're going to eat some protein, too. Like God is coming through for them, and he's sending it to them each and every day. He is providing. This is who he is. This is God's character. He's coming in to say, okay, you want to know what I'm going to do for you? Let me show you who I am. I'm the God who provides. I show up when you have need, and I'm going to meet your need. God comes through for them. This is who he is. This is his character. And this is what he wants them to learn but that's not all of it. It's like God is providing, and, and okay, but there's more to the story. And so let's keep reading back down in verse 19, see kind of what takes place next. So verse 19, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Don't keep it overnight. Verse 20, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, and it was full of maggots. And begin to smell. So they collect this food and, and they're probably like, okay, here's what we need. We didn't quite eat it all. Well, will we have enough for tomorrow? You know what? Let's save it. Let, let's, let's keep some tomorrow because we don't, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so they keep it. They put it in a basket. They go to sleep. And the next morning, it's like, okay, it's time to eat. Let's, let's take out what we kept. And it's full of insects. It's rotting. It's decaying. It's starting to like spoil and it smells. Moses says, don't, don't keep it until morning. It's not simply about like storing up and making sure you have all that you need. Like, no, 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 there's more going on here. Not only is God providing, but he's testing you. He's training you. He's wanting you to see this as an opportunity because this whole thing is an act of trust. And so what Moses is responding, he's angry He's like, no, 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 you're missing the point. It's not about the food. There's more going on here. So he says it was, he's angry with them. So verse 21, each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. It's not like God just keeps dumping it. There's a pile from them to pour from. Like, no, you go collect what you need. And kind of by midday, the sun's up. It's, it's getting hot and it disappears. Each and every day, this is going to be the pattern. Because what God is wanting them to see, wanting them to know, that this is an act of trust. It's an act of trust. They're trusting that God will consistently provide. So, will you go out each and every morning, collect what you need for that day? Or will you try to save some? Will you try to store it up and like, you know, build in your own capacity here of like, okay, I'm taking care of myself. No, no, no. This whole thing is an act of trust. Will you trust God each day that he's going to show up? 
He's going to give you the food that you need. The bread is going to be there. You're going to have what you need for that day. This whole thing is an act of trust. And God is training them in this faith, in this trust. It's like each day, like they're going to go through this cycle, this pattern, this rhythm, and I'm embodying the trust that God is asking of me. Will I step in to consistently rely on his provision? Or will I try to store it up? That's the tension that they feel right at this moment. And they, they need to learn that God will come through. He's going to provide. And I can trust him. Because this is who he is. This is cultivating that pattern. It's helping them to see this is who God is. So this is what God's teaching them. Now you might be wondering, okay, cool. What does this have to do with Sabbath? Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about this familiar story. God shows up. He's giving them food each and every day. What about Sabbath? Like, why are we talking about this story when it comes to Sabbath? Well, keep reading, because Sabbath now becomes very prominent in the story. So, verse 22. On the sixth day, the day before the Sabbath, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want, boil what you want, save whatever is left, and keep it until morning. Do you notice there's a shift? It's verse 24. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a day of Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. But verse 27, how do people respond? Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. This is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. Verse 30, the people rested on the seventh day. What we see here is this pattern has been built. Go out and collect. Get what you need for that day. Don't keep it overnight, except on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is different. The Sabbath day, you're to collect two portions, two, double the amount of what you normally, normally collect. And now, what you're going to see is that it doesn't spoil. As in every other day, if you were to keep something overnight, that's going to spoil, but not this. On the sixth day, the stuff that you keep is going to stay. It's going to last and you will have it on the next day. But you're not to go out because you have what you need. See, what God is doing here is they are not to collect on the Sabbath, and he's now infusing something into Sabbath. He is infusing trust into the Sabbath practice. Now Sabbath is becoming something that helps them take trust deeper. So you can kind of picture it, right? Like, imagine they're getting into this rhythm, this pattern of like, okay, I'm going to go collect each and every day. 
I'm going to collect what I need. And I'm going to learn, like, yeah, I shouldn't keep it, but it's there every day, so I can trust that. But if it was always that way, every day was exactly the same, imagine what might happen. After you do that for a few months, a couple of years, and you just kind of like, oh, yeah, the bread's just always there. I can trust that the bread's going to be there. The bread is there, and it becomes about the bread. It becomes about the thing, and it becomes rote. Just this thing you kind of do, habit, you don't really reflect on, and, and it's just kind of always true, right? Imagine that that was your day in and day out for years. But here, God interrupts each and every week. He's here to say, like, no, 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 just in case we fall into a, a habit, a rote pattern, let me just shake it up every week for you. On the seventh day, it's going to be different. It's going to be set apart, but it's going to be infused with even greater trust because I'm setting this sort of pattern, and, and you shouldn't keep it overnight, but then I'm going to depart from that pattern every Sabbath day, and you're going to really be reminded each and every week that you trust me. You trust me. It's not the bread. It's not this doing that you, you, you know, going out and every week you collect what you need. Like, it's not even your participation in that. It is only me. There's nothing to prevent that stuff from rotting except the Lord. It's only him that preserves it. It's only him. He's the one that keeps all of this. So Sabbath is becoming infused with trust, but it's trust in God. So here's the, the idea that I'm trying to see. Sabbath becomes dependence on God. It's solely trust on God. It's only in what he is doing. Sabbath is an act of trust that God will solely provide. That's what he wants them to see. It's not in the bread. It's not in their keeping the practice. It's not even in like, you know, just imagining like God's going to do like It's in God alone. That's why he departs from the pattern. Each Sabbath, he wants them to rest. He makes a way for them to keep that. So Sabbath. Sabbath is an act of trust that God will solely provide. But back to our question that we started with. Sometimes we don't practice Sabbath. It's not something that that we always feel like will come through for us, like Sabbath's just not going to work out. It's not about the practice. It's not about our work towards that practice. It is only about God and his provision. And so what Sabbath is meant to do is meant to shake up this idea. It's like, oh, Sabbath isn't going to work out for me. That's not true. What God wants to do is he wants to come in and say, no, 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 it's not about Sabbath. It's about me. Because really, it's maybe you don't trust that Sabbath's going to work out for you, but really what you don't trust is that I will provide. In taking a Sabbath day, we are stepping out and saying, all right, God, I trust you to meet the need, whatever it is. I trust you to come through for me. And when we don't take it, we're almost saying, like, God, I don't trust you to provide. I don't trust that you're going to come through in the way that I need you to. So I'm going to do what I have to. Sabbath reminds us God is a God of provision. He's someone that we can turn to, we can trust, and he will come through for us in the way that we need him to. So whatever it is that gets in the way for you, 
for this Sabbath practice, whether it's something that's just consistently always there or maybe the occasional thing. Like, God wants to come in and say, trust that I will provide for you. I shared that, you know, sometimes, um, that like recently, my, my Sabbath hasn't been always kept the way that I wanted to. And, and, and to me, I look back and it's like, yeah, those things were, were sometimes occasional, and, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes I let those kinds of things intrude. And it's like, why? What's going on there? And it may be a fear of not having enough. Like, I don't have enough hours in the week, so I got I to gotta work extra time to get this project done, to get this thing done. And, and it really comes down to this, like, I just, I don't have enough. There's this lack that exists. And I gotta, I gotta do more. I mean, we talked about that kind of in the first week, like we're often in bondage to this desire, this drive to do more. It's a fear. We're not gonna have enough. And so we work, we do. We don't practice Sabbath. And fundamentally what that is, is we don't think God will provide. We don't trust him to come through for us. But stepping into Sabbath is an embodiment of trust. It's stepping in and saying, all right, Lord, I'm going to let this go. and I'm going to trust that you're going to come through for me. I don't feel like there's enough, but I'm going to operate as if there is. Because, you, okay, you might be wondering, like, okay, sure, but you don't really know my life. Like, I, I've got a huge job that just demands so much of my time. Or, like, we've got these things that we just don't fit on the calendar anywhere else, and we just, we've got to do it on the weekend. You probably feel like the math just doesn't work. Like, there's just not enough hours in the week. I, I want to contend with you that there are enough hours in the week. I have to say that to myself. Like, so often, if I were to look at my day, it's like, oh, I've got all these things to do. And it's like, how did I really spend it? It's like, oh, you know, I took an hour and I scrolled Facebook. And, oh, and I watched this thing. And, and I got kind of sidetracked by reading this article. And it's like, hmm, am I really making the most of my, my hours? The problem is not so much. Like, there's literally not enough hours. It's how we spend it. And, and the conviction is for us to, like, evaluate how are we spending our time. But you might get to the point where it's like, I just, I don't know when I'm going to do it. But I'm going to choose to let it go. Because it's not about the math. Like, it's really not about the number of hours. There's 24 hours in a day. That's a lot of time, right? Do we really, like, not have enough in every given week for us to do what we need to? And I think God has given us all what we need we have the same number of hours and minutes as everybody else. Yeah, maybe your life's a little bit different than, than another, but God has given us what we need. Sabbath is an act of unlearning the need to control it. The need for me to say, like, I've got to do it all. I've got to come through. I've, I've got to, like, measure. Like, Sabbath, Sabbath helps us unlearn the, the, the patterns of trusting in ourselves controlling things and not trusting that God will provide. Sabbath moves us into trusting him. We're called to step into that. Sabbath helps us not be in bondage to the need to have more, to the fear of not having enough, and allows us to trust him. Sabbath is the practice that embodies that for us because only from him that he will provide. 
It's only from him that we have what we truly need. The need to, to feel like I'm doing more, having more, filling my, my time with opportunities. We don't need those things. We just need him because he's the source of life. He's the one that comes through for us. That's what he's trying to teach the Israelites. That's what he's trying to teach us. We are to look to him solely to provide for us. And Sabbath helps us to do that. So, okay, what does this actually look like? Okay, if you're like, okay, I'm tracking with you. I, I, I see what you're trying to say. But, like, help me understand how we actually get there. Like, I've got all these things in life. It's really hard sometimes to find time to Sabbath. Like, what does it actually look like for us to step into this trust kind of thing? So here's what I want to do. I want to walk through a little bit of a process or a couple of key ideas. So the first thing I want to do is offer you a question that helps us diagnose what's going on. So here it is. What makes you uneasy if it's not done? What's the thing that you're like, hmm, okay, Sabbath, that sounds like a really good idea. Oh, but I got to do this. Because if I don't, like, what's that thing? What's the thing that makes you uneasy? Where you're just like, no, 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 I can't set that aside. I, I, gotta, I gotta do this. I gotta spend time on this. What's the thing that makes you uneasy if you're not doing it? One person, you might say like, oh, the dishes, man, I, I'm totally fine leaving those. Like, doesn't bother me to sit there. I'll get to them tomorrow. That's fine. Like, I, I'm okay with that. But oh, whoa, wait, the laundry? I hate that pile of laundry sitting there. Like, I gotta get the laundry done. What's that thing for you? I mean, one thing to the next, and you, know, you might feel very differently about item one, but item two, like, ooh. So what's that thing that makes you feel uneasy? Name it. Identify that. Know what's driving you away from Sabbath. What's getting in the way? Like, put your finger on it. Write it down and say, okay, this, if this weren't done before a Sabbath day, it'd bother me. It'd drive me crazy. Write that down. Know what it is and hold on to it for just a moment. What, what's that thing? I want you to hang, hang on to it in your mind because I want to move on to number two. We ask this question, but then here's what God wants to do is he wants to step in with number two, and he wants us to remember how he provides. How does God provide? How has he provided? I think what we're to do here is we're to remember how God steps in and reminds us of his faithfulness. And this is actually captured in our story. So in verses 32 and 34, we're, we're given these words. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. Then verse 34. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. See, what he's saying here is, is I want you to remember. I want you to remember what I've done. And when generations come up that didn't wander in the wilderness, when they're in the land and they're like, hey, what's, what's this story all about? Oh, let me tell you. And here, you can even see it. It's in the tabernacle. It's in the Ark of the Covenant. We have some of it as a signpost to help us remember how God provided. The Israelites, they're to remember. 
They're to remember God's faithfulness, how he made a way for them, how he provided for their needs. How can you remember? What has God done in your life? How has he come through for you in the past? What are some things that you look back to and say, oh yeah, that was a moment where it's just clearly, here's, here's God's faithfulness. He came through for me. Like he did this thing and, and, and no other way could it be explained. Like it was him. There's his faithfulness. There's his provision. Remember those moments. Because when we feel the unease, when we feel like, oh shoot, I don't know if I can, I can practice Sabbath, like that's the moment we need to remember. Remember how he has come through for us so that we remember right now he will come through again. Now, you might be saying, like, okay, that sounds really good, but I can't think of anything. Like, I don't know that God has come through for me. I don't see how he's provided for me. Where's his faithfulness? Maybe you have trouble coming up with an example, a story, some way that God has come through for you. Here's your alternative. It's right here. It's this story right here. It's the story of the Exodus. It's the story of how God has shown up over and over again for the people of Israel, especially when they reject him. This is how you can remember, because this is your story. You may not look at it and say like, oh, well, I don't know that God's done all that for me. This is your story. This is the story of humanity. This is the way that God shows up for people. And maybe you're like, I don't know that he's shown up this way for me. I encourage you to start reading this. Open up and see his faithfulness to people over and over again, even when they rebel against him. See this as faithfulness to you. Because I do really believe in that moment the Holy Spirit will begin to shape you. Craft your mind, your heart in such a way as to help you connect the dots. I think he will come through for you. He will begin to allow you to see this is my story too. And you'll start to have eyes to see his faithfulness in the little things. This is your story. God has been faithful to you. Remember that. Remember that when you feel the threat, when you feel the unease of like, man, is he really going to provide? He has. He will. Maybe not in the ways that we always expect. Sometimes it will look different than we hope or plan for. But God is going to come through. He's going to give us what we need. That's what the text says. They gathered what they needed for that day. God's going to give you what you need. So that's part two. Is we need to remember how God has provided. And then number three is we want to practice this. We want to practice release on the Sabbath. So when you feel that unease, like, oh, I've got this work project, I need to spend a few more hours working on it, can you take that and say, you know what? I'm going to release it. I'm going to trust that there's going to be opportunity. I'm going to trust that God is going to come through and meet the need that I want. Now, you may have a deadline Monday morning where you've got to get the project done, but it doesn't mean quite as much as you think it does. Maybe. But, but God is going to give you what you need. So can you set it aside? Can you practice this embodiment of release? Let the laundry pile sit. 
They will be there tomorrow. Unfortunately. (laughs) There is this practice of can we let go? Can we let go of the fear of not having enough? Can we let go of this, like, God, I don't know if you're going to come through for me, so I got to control it. Can we let go of that control? Can we lay it down? It's going to feel hard. When you try to practice this, especially early on, you're going to feel that, like, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. It's going to eat at you. That unease is okay. That is the practice of release. Sabbath can help us do that. Sabbath can help us step into this pattern of faith and trust. That is what we're called to do, to release. And now that's not all, but that is the kind of flow, the process that I want you to hear and, and what God is challenging it with us, uh, to us in this story. But there is one final thing that I think we need to be mindful of, and it's this. We do need to plan and prepare. You might be thinking, like, okay, I've got the deadline Monday morning. i get this project done. We need to see that ahead of time. Do what we can to get it done with enough notice so that we can practice Sabbath. Notice that the story, the Israelites, what did they do? They had to participate. Each day they go out and they collect. They do their part. They, they've got their, their share of making this all work. But then on, on the day before Sabbath, they collect two portions. They collect double There was advance notice, like they had some work to do. They had to plan and prepare. Oh, you know, it's Friday morning. We've got to go collect double. There may be that portion for you where it's like, okay, I know Sabbath's coming. I've got some things I need to do. Like, how can I plan and be ready for it? Maybe, as an example for you, cooking is not something that brings you life. Like, something you got to do, you got to feed your family. Okay, but maybe, like, just that gets on you. Maybe on Saturday... I'm going to make double, and we're going to eat leftovers. Like, that's one way that you can plan and prepare. Like, take some time to do a little extra, make a little bit bigger batch of something, or or find something that you can stick in the fridge so that on Sabbath, you're not working. Because maybe cooking a meal is just a lot of work for you. So plan for it. Like, build in a pattern where it's like, I'm not going to cook on Sunday because I'm going to make extra on, on Saturday night. And it's going to be there for us. And we're going to have leftovers. And that's great. And maybe if for some reason, like, your fridge goes out and shoot, and we don't have our leftovers, we're going to get pizza. Like, just find ways to practice Sabbath and not feel that compulsion of having enough, doing enough, controlling your way to it. Sabbath helps us unlearn the idea, unlearn the pattern that we can't trust God because he won't provide. Sabbath undoes that. It allows us to step in to what he has for us. But sometimes there's a little preparation, some planning that's got to take place. So do that. That is part of the good work of Sabbath. So let me capture this maybe one more story. Um, I've shared this before, and um, we had a professor, my wife and I, in seminary, who um, came and taught as a guest lecturer in one of our classes. And uh, she comes and does this every semester, and she's got the one, one classroom, that, or one time she comes into class. And, and so she's preparing for that. And so on Saturday night, she's typing out her notes and getting everything ready. And then right about the end of the evening, her computer crashes, and she loses everything. Now, she practiced Sabbath. Like, that was a commitment for her. Sunday was her Sabbath. She doesn't work. And so she's staring at that Saturday night. Shoot, all of my notes are gone. What do I do? 
She elected to keep her Sabbath. She didn't have her notes. So she walks in on Monday morning to our class and says, hey, everybody, normally I've got these notes that I've prepared, but my computer crashed, and I wanted to honor my Sabbath, and so I'm trusting that God is going to bring to mind things that I need to tell you. I've done this before. I kind of know it. It's in the back of my head, sure, but like, I, don't, I don't have my notes, so I'm just going to trust that what comes out is what you need to hear. And so we went into class. She lectured, and it was great. Like, there was so much good stuff there. And yeah, maybe, sure, she didn't say everything she was supposed to or, or maybe left out a key thing, but it was what we needed. And she did it on the fly. She had done the prep work. She had done this before. She knew her material, but she walked in. I don't have the thing I normally have. I could trust in my notes or I can trust in God. And she kept her Sabbath and trusted the Lord. And it's great. It worked out. It was good stuff. And even if it didn't, we still trust that the Lord is doing the good work through that class time. This is what it's like. This is what it's like for us to trust that God will provide. So to capture all of this, Sabbath is an act of trust that God solely will be the one who provides. It's all in him. We don't look to ourselves. We don't look to our patterns. We don't look to the things that we do. Rather, it is him that we trust. Sabbath is an embodiment of that. So if you're kind of feeling that, that but, like, oh, I'd, I'd love to, but, let this challenge you. Be reminded that it's not in our hands. It's not in the things that we think will come through for us. It's not in our jobs. It's not in our to-do list. It's not in our time. We don't have to be afraid of lack. We don't have to be afraid of not having enough. We have enough in him Jesus comes through for us. Maybe not in the ways we always expect, but he comes through for us because he is the one that solely provides. In Matthew 6, this is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching and he teaches on prayer. And he shares with us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do you remember one of the key lines in the prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus had this story on his mind. God showed up for the Israelites. Daily bread for them. The prayer, God give us our daily bread, is a prayer of trust. It's, it's saying, Lord, I, I'm looking to you. Would you give me what I need? And it's trusting that he will. Give us today our daily bread. Sabbath helps us to live in that. So commit to it. Because Sabbath is an act of trust that God will solely provide. 